The Theft of Molnir. Thor's hammer, Molnir, soon became one of the gods' great treasures, counted amongst their most valued possessions as a sure defence against their giant enemies. So it was with much distress that one morning Thor awoke to find that it had gone from Thrudenheim. He hurried forth at once to look for Loki, thinking that maybe the god of fire had played another of his tricks, but Loki was as surprised as Thor himself to hear that Molnir was vanished, and said at once, I do not doubt this is the work of the giants. They will have stolen Molnir away for their own safety. I will go to Jotunheim and spy for you, and maybe I shall find out where they have hidden it. So he changed himself into a hawk and flew northwards into Jotunheim, while Thor waited anxiously for his return. On and on flew Loki, but never a sign of Molnir did he see. And at last he came to the barren lands of Thrin, the ruler of the frost giants, and thinking to ask him if he had any knowledge of the hammer, he flew to where Thrym sat upon a little hillock, close beside his great house, plaiting leashes out of gilded leather for the hounds that lay at his feet, and combing the manes of his horses. Loki took his own shape, and the tall giant looked at him. Greetings, Thrym, said Loki. Greetings, Loki, from Asgard. What brings you here? How is it with the gods? Loki sighed. It goes but ill with the gods, he said, for Thor has lost his hammer and I do not doubt that it has been stolen. Can you give me tidings of it? Thrym threw back his head and laughed, until the tears ran down his cheeks. Why do you laugh, my friend, asked Loki. And when Thrym could speak again, he answered him, I laugh because Thor's hammer is hidden nine miles deep below the ground, where Thor shall never find it, no nor any of the gods. Is there no other thing that would please you as mightily as does the hammer, asked Loki. Some other thing which the gods could give you in exchange for what they prize so highly. And Thrym thought, and then he said, I have heard much talk of the beauty of the lady of the Vanir. How of all the goddesses, she is the fairest. And I have long wished for such a wife. Go you back and tell the gods that if they send me Freya for my wife, they may have Molnir once again. Small hope is there of getting Molnir back if Freya is to be the price, thought Loki. But he said aloud, I will go to Asgard with your offer, Thrym, and maybe I shall return with an answer. And in a moment he was once again a hawk and flying southwards towards Asgard. Thor was waiting in the courtyard before his palace, pacing up and down and ever glancing with impatience at the sky for a sign of Loki. And as soon as he saw the black dot that was the hawk appear, he hurried forward, calling out, What news, Loki? Tell me quickly. What news of Molnir? long before Loki could have heard even his mighty shout. And when Loki came closer, Thor would not allow him time to take his own shape or even to alight upon the ground. Before he was at his questioning, tell me quickly, Loki, have you found where Molnir is? Molnir is buried nine miles below the earth, and only Thrym of the Frost Giants knows where. But did you not offer him other gifts in exchange? Did you not demand that he should tell you more? Thor shook his fist in the air with impatience. Give me time to finish what I have to tell you, said Loki. Keep silence for the moment. And when Thor was quiet, he went on. Thrym will only give Molnir back to us if we will send him Freya as his bride. Then why are we delaying, demanded Thor. Come let us away to Sesmura and tell Freya of it, that I may have Molnir back with no more loss of time. 
Loki alighted on the ground and became himself once more. Thor, Thor, where are you hurrying to? Do you suppose that Freya will consent to marry with old Thrym, or that Odd, her husband, will be pleased by the suggestion? Thor stopped and stared at Loki. I had not thought of that, he said. Loki laughed. For all that, there will be no harm in asking her. Come, Thor, let us go to Sesramir, but not at your pace. Together they went to Freya's palace and found her there. Though Odd was, as so often, away wandering upon the earth, they told her of Thrym's offer, and immediately she flew into a great rage, so that the roof of her hall echoed with her indignation, and she even tore Bracingamen, her necklace from around her neck, and flung it on the floor. How dare one of the giant race offer for my hand, as though I were not among the highest of the Vanir? How dare he speak such words to you, and how dare you hear them, and having heard them, how dare you repeat them to me? Thor wished himself a long way off, but Loki waited, smiling quietly until she stopped for breath, and then he said, It were best that this matter be put before the council and debated by all the gods. Yes, and the goddess, so that you may speak to all of us, Freya, and make your refusal known. So Odin called the gods and goddesses to his council hall, and they discussed how they might win back Molnir and yet keep Freya for themselves, but no way could they find to do this. And then at last Heimdall, the watchman, spoke. Since Molnir is Thor's own weapon, and none knows so well how to use it, it seems to me that most fitting that Thor himself should go to the home of Thrym and fetch his hammer back. With a shout, Thor interrupted him. It is easy for you to speak, Heimdall, from your post upon Bifrost. But if I go to Thrym's house, though I am strong, as you all know well, I shall be but one against many, and lacking my best weapon. Willingly would I go alone into the house of Thrym, had I any hope of success, but without Molnir, I fear that I should perish. I had not intended, Thor, that you should go as a warrior, but, said Heimdall, but Freya would lend you a robe and a cloak, and a veil to cover your head. Thrym would think that it was Freya herself come for the wedding feast, and would give you Molnir into your hands, and so might you obtain a victory even against so many. Thor jumped up shouting in his anger that the very roof beam shook. Shall I, Thor of the Ezia, put on women's garb and go as a bride to Jotunheim? Why, ever after would all the gods and goddesses, yes, all the giants too, laugh at me for an unmanly coward. The giants could not laugh, Thor, said Heimdall, when you had smashed their skulls for them. But Thor would heal no more of the suggestion and grew angrier with each moment though all of the gods sought to persuade him to assent to Heimdall's plan. At last, Loki said, perhaps, Thor, you would prefer that the giants should ha leave Jotunheim in their numbers and come against Asgard, knowing that we lack Molnir to keep them off. Thor fell silent for a moment, thinking, Come, Thor, said Loki, the safety of all Asgard depends on you, and if you will go to Thrain decked as a bride, I will go with you as your handmaiden. And at last Thor consented, saying, Since it is for the safety of all Asgard, I will go. Though if any laughs at me, for it afterwards he will not long laugh. So, still grumbling and protesting, Thor suffered his huge tawny beard to be shaved off. It will grow all the thicker and the mightier for it after, said Loki encouragingly. Then he was dressed in a fine robe, reaching to his feet. 
with a girdle hung with keys and a long cloak over it, and above all a thick veil to cover his head. And Freya, thankful indeed that it was not she who was good to go to Jotunheim, herself hung Brisingamen around his neck, loath though she was to part with it for any time. Then when Loki had been dressed in a plain kirtle and a cloak with a veil to hide his red hair, the two of them climbed into Thor's chariot, which was drawn by two strong goats and away they sped toward Jotunheim, sparks flying from the hoofs of the goats, such speed they made. When Thrym saw the chariot coming across the barren plain before his home, he inspired by the glinting that one of the figures in it wore Freya's necklace. He leapt up and shouted to his servants to make ready his horse to receive his bride. Great wealth have I, he said, many herds of jet-black oxen with gilded horns, great coffers of jewels and bags of gold, and rich am I, accounted among the giants. Yet rich not only among the giants, but among the gods as well. Shall I be counted now, since Freya has come into Jotunheim to be my wife? While his servants stewed fresh rushes on the floor, set up the benches and tables, Thrym went out from his house to welcome Thor and Loki. He took Thor by the hand and led him into the high seat at the end of the hall, thinking how big and strong her hand is, and how tall a maiden is this Freya, a fit wife indeed for a giant lord. The servants hurried in with food and drink, roasted his ox flesh, salmon, huge loaves, beer and mead, and sweetmeats for the women. Thor by himself ate one whole ox and ate large salmon, hurrying great mouthfuls of food under his veil, and when he was offered one of the dainty cakes that had been prepared for the bride, he ate not one, but all of them, and drank three vats of beer. Such an appetite was unrivalled, even by the giant women. And Thryn wondered greatly at it. Indeed, he said, never have I seen a bride who ate more than the lady of the Vanir, or who could drink more deeply than fair Freya, is such the custom of the goddess. And Loki, who stood behind Thor's chair, leant his head forward and whispered into Thrynjuge ear, For eight nights has my mistress fasted, and so greatly has she longed to come to your house, and Thrym was well pleased at the words. I am glad that she has longed to see me, he said, for I too have longed to look upon her face. And he moved aside, a little the vow that covered Thor's head, but when he saw Thor's eyes flash angrily at him, he let fall the veil and cried out, startled. Her eyes burn like fire. Why should the eyes of Freya burn thus? And again Loki leant forward and whispered in his ear, Her eyes are bright and burning with weariness, since for eight nights she has not slept so greatly she has longed to come to your home. And Thryn was once more well pleased by his words. Then Thryn's sister came forward and stood before Thor and asked, Fair Freya, wife of my brother, Will you not give me a gift, as to the bridal custom, a gold ring from your white arm, or, or a brooch? But before Thor could reply to her, Thrym called out, A moment, sister, a gift have I for my bride, and I will give it to her now. He turned to his men, Bring in the hammer of Thor, that was to be the marriage price, and his servants carried in Molnir, and Thryn took it from them and slayed it across Thor's knees. There, my fair, bride is my marriage gift. You may send it back to Asgard if you will. Do I not keep well my promises? And Thor's right hand closed around Molnir's handle, and in his heart he rejoiced to feel it in his grip again. 
Then rising, he swung the hammer above his head and felled Thrym to the ground. At once there was an uproar in the hall as the giant sought to escape the fury that had come among them. But Thor went about striking down to the left and to the right, and no one escaped from him that day. Of all Thrym's household, there was no one left alive, and that was how Thor won back his hammer, Molnir, out of Jotunheim.